0: Welcome to another edition of Kapowcast. I am Mike, once again joined here by Jeff Jefferson. It's been a while. It has. It's been too long. How long has it been? Um, let's see, at least seven years. I maintained that the reason you weren't here the past couple episodes is because the tension, the sexual tension <laughs> between you and Tony was just so palpable. It got to be too much. It was just bubbling, <laughs> just bubbling innuendos and innuendo,
1: <laughs> past glances. Yeah, accidentally Is... brushing up against him when I go to adjust the mic. <laughs>
0: Ooh, <laughs> um, very excited for today's edition as we will be discussing the death of Superman Lives. Yeah, what happened? It was a fantastic documentary, um, made by John Schnepp, who's over on uh, Collider. On YouTube um, Completely self-funded And I remember hearing about it like a few years ago I remember oh, hearing about him working on it And I was like I have yes, to see this
1: We were both right on the same page
0: And then when I like started seeing the show tr- I was like oh my god And then I just <laughs> like I actually watched it For the first time a few months ago finally And then we just watched it again And it's just It's it's a shit show of <laughs> It's a shit show of beauty Yes, Like it's a beautiful shit show Like it <laughs> I don't know how else to explain it um, but before we get into that, we'll talk about a couple news things. Uh, the first one I want to particularly talk to you with you about, um, recently this past week, James Cameron came out. Have you heard about this? No, he didn't come out of the closet, oh. but he came out with a quote saying that he felt wonder woman was more damaging for feminism.
1: how so Um, wait like the movie yes okay how so uh hang on let me read the (laughs) quote i actually have it
0: uh queued up here uh give you just a minute okay that was my knuckles cracking (laughs) Uh, okay all of the self-congratulatory back patting uh hollywood's been doing over wonder woman has so has been so misguided she's an objectified icon and it's just male hollywood doing the same old thing I'm not saying I didn't like the movie, but to me, it's a step backwards. Sarah Connor was not a beauty icon. She was a strong, she was troubled, she was a terrible mother, and she earned the respect <laughs> of the audience through pure grit. And to me, the benefit of characters like Sarah is so obvious. I mean, half the audience is female. Um, I can see where he's coming from. Patty Jenkins, the director of Wonder Woman, also... um had a response to that. Should I read that? Sure. Wait, how long is it? Super long. <laughs> super, super long. No, it's not very long. Um, her quote is, uh, James Cameron's inability to understand what Wonder Woman is or stands for to women all over the world is unsurprising as though he is great filmmaker. He is not a woman. Strong women are great. He His praise of my film monster and our portrayal of a strong yet damaged woman was so appreciated. But if women have to always be hard, tough and troubled to be strong and we aren't free to be multidimensional or celebrate an icon of woman everywhere because she is attractive and loving, then we haven't come very far. Have we? I believe women can and should be everything just like male lead characters should be. There is no right and wrong kind of powerful woman. And this massive female audience who made the film a hit can surely choose and judge their own icons of progress.
1: Yeah, I think that's a really good uh, response. Like, I don't understand how someone who's emotionally damaged and a terrible mother is a good icon it, of
0: feminism. It sounds like, like, to me, when I took, like, like you were saying, like, you kind of see where he's coming from, but yeah. at the same time, it's like, so are you telling me that a person has, that a, uh, for a woman to be a positive role model, she has to be a terrible person? Yeah. like? Or I that mean, she can't
1: be beautiful. Like, I mean, uh, I could see if his argument was that Sarah Connor is a better fleshed out character. Mm-hmm. Like, when it comes to the film, then, you know, I could definitely see the argument there because she was a very well fleshed out character. Like he said, she was, it was a very realistic portrayal of a woman who is haunted by murderous cyborgs her entire life. <laughs> Aren't we all? And yeah. It's, it's, it's that same old tale, you know?
0: I, um, it's almost one of those things where I I don't think there's a clear right and wrong here yeah I mean I like would... they both have their points I, I I mean I'm not gonna pick sides um I do I mean if I were ha- if you if I had to my opinion does kind of lead in the way of Patty Jenkins whether or not it's just because of the kind of way that, like, James Cameron came off.
1: Yeah, I agree. Like, um... Especially when he's comparing his work. It seems really, yeah, uh, like self-important. Exactly. Like... Like, if he compared it to some other famous film, uh, you know, female protagonist, then I could... You could see the argument being more weighty, but I don't know. I would argue that maybe Ripley from Aliens is a well, better... Much better. I agree wholeheartedly. Um, because she was... She... Badass, had it together... She knew and how to be sexy, she knew how to run around in her underwear <laughs> <laughs> Something that m- most people could learn from um, Knew how to fight in a robot suit Yeah, it's all important stuff That's everything I've looked for in a woman
0: I just thought it was a really weird, yeah, weird Kind thing of back for and forth I mean, yeah, Very we- weird thing for him Like,
1: and when I He's given it- his blessing on so many shitty movies I don't know, it's bizarre He did make Avatar yeah, that movie was garbage. I mean, it was just a bunch of fucking special effects. It was, I don't know, and it, and its plot was just so fucking by the numbers. Like, there Hollywood has made at least four movies with a cookie cutter, you know, replace name with name, and you have the exact same movie, like uh, Fern Gully, or you know, there's just I don't know, Pocahontas, Dances with Wolves, Dances with Wolves, like. This, you know, these white people need to show these primitive natives how to appreciate nature and fight back against the evils of white people. Like, I it's just bizarre self-flogging of society that Hollywood likes to indulge itself in to uh, pat itself on the back. Kind
0: of. um,
1: Going on a tangent,
0: a little bit, but <laughs> I think though, like, you know, there, there's points to be made on both ends. I don't see why. Either. And I don't think it was Patty Jenkins necessarily saying this was it seemed like it was more James Cameron saying that to him a a strong female needs to be this Mm -hmm. this. It needs to be this niche of you know which I think is kind of bad if you're going to try arguing
1: with a female. Yeah. About- Listen, lady, this is how a woman needs to be to be a strong <laughs> feminist icon. I think I you think leave that's, it to the experts. I think that's kind of an uphill battle. Could you say that he was mansplaining? Maybe. I would say that perhaps he was actually mansplaining. As much as I hate words like that, I think it actually fits in this. There's
0: uh, you know, there's all kinds of like stuff being uh thrown around with comic book movies these days as far as gender. Mm -hmm. Oh, oh, yeah. Um, I mean, there's the whole shit going. Have you heard about like the stuff going on with Joss Whedon? No, what's he doing now? Well, uh, Joss Whedon, who is like a for a while, for a lot of times, he's been like the poster child almost of like feminism and sci-fi and uh, and adventure and comics and all that shit and all that strong Um, female characters. But it's all sort of started a little bit when his Wonder Woman script leaked, and people said it was very misogynistic. In a lot of ways, I can't verbatim say what it was or what I remember, though, reading like it was very like overly sexualized and she was kind of seemed like, you know, she needed a man to save her, you know, sort of deal. Um, But anyways, his uh, ex-wife came out and said that he is a complete hypocrite (laughs) to (laughs) spread words of feminism and all this because for the 15 years they were together, he was constantly cheating on her. (laughs) Now, whether I mean. To be fair, Here's that's a slippery an slope. Yeah, it is, and I mean I don't. Uh, you know what? I'm just gonna leave this topic I think uh, <laughs> untouched. I don't
1: for, for another day.
0: Yep, just gonna leave it alone. I think this is a can of worms that need not be opened. Yes, if you will. Um, so, a second bit here. Um, rumor is that they're going to be moving forward with an Obi Wan Kenobi Star Wars prequel
1: movie. Cool. I'm kind of for it, especially if they um, get you and McGregor back. Yeah, I mean, I'm not against it. Would this be, you know, in this like the area between the uh, new trilogy and the old trilogy? Or I was, think so. I'm assuming what I'm assuming is after his death.
0: What I would like to see, my vision for this, if you will, come with me. I'm going on a come journey. Come with me on a journey, a journey of the mind. Um, my version of this, I would like to see it kind of played out like an old Western. Yeah. Like, uh, he's very grizzled. You know, he, you don't know what he's feeling through that time frame from, you know, when episode three ends to the start of a new hope, mm-hmm. you know, there's a lot of stuff that could, there's a lot of character development that could have went on during that whole thing. And, and I would like to see him very kind of bitter, mm-hmm. which just kind of seems weird for like a Jedi, but you know, very like weary on, getting involved in things and
1: it would make sense considering the, you know, circumstances whole, yeah. of everything. You know, I, I would like to see like his faith be tested. You know, that would be, uh, that would make sense. Cause Jedi masters do tend to just run off and go on emotional journeys. Yeah.
0: And it would be interesting to see him kind of considering himself like out of the game mm-hmm. and then maybe pulled back in. Like there's like a struggling like town on Tatooine little, you know, village or whatever. And it doesn't even have to be being overrun by, like, stormtroopers. Like, let's take a break from that. Uh-huh. Let's get away. Like, it doesn't always have to be, like, the Empire versus this. Like, mm-hmm. if you want to do these individual stories, I think it's a much better idea to get an overall feel to kind of go outside the realm of Empire, Jedi.
1: Well, I mean, there's so many other factions. Big space you could, battles, yeah. you know,
0: stuff like that. Like, doing something, like, on a smaller scale, on a more
1: personal level... I think could be really cool. I agree. I think it would be really interesting. I mean, there's such a big mythos you could uh, mine uh, intellectual properties from. You don't have to go with the Empire each time. You could go with some space syndicate or, you know, like there's tons of stuff you could go with.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a big galaxy.
1: It is, and it's it's far away. And just
0: the idea of like, you know, this tired, like worn down Obi-Wan like being pulled in. And you could they could even do something where like, you know, he runs into... A young Luke, you know they'll they'll do mm-hmm. it. They'll do it. Oh yeah, I bet they will too. You know, um, maybe have some kind of reference, more reference to why Uncle Ben doesn't want Luke going around Old Ben, <laughs> if you will, because he gets all touchy feely. Um, I'm yeah, I'm all for. It. I mean, if you're gonna do these standalone movies, which I don't know if there's an
1: interesting story to tell with Han Solo. Mm, I don't know. I'm really not that interested in a Han Solo movie that doesn't have Harrison Ford, to be honest.
0: it's It would be like having an Indiana Jones movie that doesn't have Harrison Ford. Yeah. Like, I that's mean, a character he made. His face is synonymous
1: yeah, with I mean, that character. If they pick someone good enough, I could see, because I can imagine people saying the same thing about James Bond after Sean Connery had retired. True. Maybe, but I've always said Roger Moore wasn't as good as Sean Connery anyway. Um, but yeah, they do like a you know old
0: western like last samurai like Mm -hmm. deal. Like, I would be all for it. Like, something to break the mold. Like, Rogue One was a big, sprawling, you know, special effects CGI fest. I'm sure Han Solo will be too. Mm -hmm. They need to kind of, I would like to see them take the Marvel approach where. Yeah, it's a Star Wars movie, but you can also throw elements of different genres of movie to make it feel fresh and
1: they did that a little bit with Rogue One like the uh the story was definitely not I mean it did have a lot of elements of the other Star Wars movies, but it was from a perspective of, you know, the more gray area that's in like, you know, factions fighting against the empire that were not at all nice people. I mean, they were not afraid to let innocent people get killed in the way And, uh, I mean, they're basically like space Mujahideen. They were like, it was really bizarre how they went with it. You can tell that I think that they're ready to go for a different direction to see how well they could flesh out the movie franchise. Mm -hmm. I'd really, yeah, I think that'd be pretty interesting. I'd I'd be into that. Disney, if you're listening, (laughs) that idea is free. I will not. Whoa, whoa, whoa,
0: whoa, (laughs) (laughs) whoa. Nope. Disney already got it. They're like, nope, he's at it right here. Uh, so let's talk about the death of Superman
1: lives. <laughs> yes. What happened? Man, what didn't happen?
0: Um, in case you, for whatever reason, don't know, Superman lives is the Tim Burton directed Nicolas Cage starring Superman movie that almost got made in the late 90s. It yeah. started in like the mid 90s and
1: went on for probably like two, three years. Like, I mm-hmm. don't know if they said, how long languished yeah i think this it was thing, about 3 years it, it, it had a planned release date of 2008
0: didn't it i don't know
1: the, maybe 98 i think it was that's what i meant to say <laughs> um and you yeah. it's so weird it's fascinating <laughs> like, how like this is just like the amount of it's, you really get a good look into what happens when a big budget Hollywood movie just becomes this uncontrollable monster and like nobody has any way to like steer it in any clear direction at all because nobody has any clear idea what they want to do with it. It's weird. Like you say that and you, you kind of get this like
0: idea of when people are mo- working on these things, like they're just working on it. Yeah. You know, just doing it for the sake of doing it, but watching this and watching some of the people, not all of the people, but some of the people just seemed like they were really genuinely passionate about this project. Like, they really wanted to do a it. A lot
1: of people were like the, well, I mean, Kevin Smith, of course. And the guy who replaced him was really passionate, too, um, The a script writer. Tim Burton was. Yeah. Uh, John Peters. John Peters was extremely passionate to the point of putting people into uh, judo holds and, whatnot, and threatening to throw um, people out of a window. <laughs> Holy
0: shit. <I> th- <laughs> More on him later. Yeah. I don't know. Um, and like, even like, like you'd mentioned, like, wow, this must've sucked for Nicolas Cage because this was like a lifelong dream. Yeah.
1: I mean, he named his kid after Superman.
0: Yeah. And like, you could just tell like these people were really amped up for it and like to see them literally go from like starting the process and they get to like where production's supposed to start like literally weeks before. Mm -hmm. And it just, nope just completely like it's shut down because Warner Brothers didn't know what to do and kind of like some things never change yeah like it was just like like failure after failure after failure after failure after failure and then that was enough for them to pull the plug on it and be like that's it um, but for me uh, when a lot of people talk about this there's a lot of key things they think of just from general knowledge and one is like the picture of Nicolas Cage in the Superman suit yes the multiple pictures and then like the light up suit. And then for me, the first <laughs> the
1: thing sketches. Oh my God. Like the, the weird, the, like, yeah, <laughs> those are the ones where I was just like, what the fuck? <laughs> like
0: imagining like Superman or like Brainiac drawn in like Tim Burton esque style. Mm-hmm. Fucking weird. Um, my first like real knowledge of this movie came from the very first evening with Kevin Smith where he goes into very big detail about <laughs> the entire process of his experience working on it. And it's funny because in the, in the documentary, he, he pretty much tells the same story for yeah. the most part condensed. Cause Kevin Smith can fucking, you ask him a question and he'll answer for like 45 minutes. Yes. But, um, he, uh, he talks about how he was picked to write the script. Well, it wasn't picked, but he, you know, was, he landed the script and, he had to go meet with uh the producer john peters who was a who was
1: a fucking lunatic
0: and it, in the, and even in the evening with he like painted him as like a really kooky dude
1: <laughs> like just really fucking out there I'm surprised the guy um agreed to the like being interviewed for the documentary I'm, yeah but then again I feel like this is something that still haunts him like I think he really really wanted to make that movie
0: yeah he uh in you know, Kevin Smith talks about how he went, and had a meeting with them, and uh he told him there was three things <laughs> that he didn't want to see. Uh one of them was he didn't want to see Superman in the Superman suit. Of course not. Told Kevin Smith he didn't want to see it in it. He said uh he told Kevin Smith it was too faggy. <laughs> <laughs> His <laughs> words, not mine. Too faggy. Um he we, didn't, can we make that a hashtag? <laughs> He didn't want to see him fly (laughs) for whatever reason, (laughs) uh... which as we watched on, like Tim Burton was also kind of on that thing. Like he didn't want to see Superman. But they
1: never gave a clear reason why.
0: They said, I don't like it. Don't like it. Yeah. Just like it was just kind of, I guess, a creator's choice. You
1: know, I mean, it's hard to direct a person flying around. It's a big challenge, which is why Superman directing a decent Superman movie can be so difficult, Not, not only from a special effects standpoint, but just like how do you direct a person flying around yeah like it's it's hard to encompass in your head and make it look right
0: um and he said that like somewhere in the third act, uh Superman had to giant fight a giant spider yeah <laughs> <laughs> for whatever reason
1: what did they end up calling it a Thanagarian, Thanagarian
0: than- snar <laughs> beast yeah
1: <laughs> and this for me,
0: this was the first point where the the documentary got interesting because uh John Schnob actually asked John Peters about this. And he said for the first two things, he said it's not true. Yeah. He said, absolutely not true. He's like, why would you get rid of that stuff? That's not true. That's not true at all. The spider's true.
1: <laughs> but and the spider is the most ferocious animal.
0: But and and that's the <laughs> that's the weird part, is there's other stuff from Kevin Smith's story on An Evening With where he talks about how he said, you know, the you know the spider. The spider's the most ferocious animal in the animal <laughs> kingdom. <laughs> and then he he at one point, um, he said he, in the script, like, Brainiac goes to Spider... Spider-Man. Goes to <laughs> Superman's uh, Fortress of Solitude. He was like, Brainiac needs something to fight. And how about some polar
1: bears? <laughs> yes. And he's
0: like, polar bears? He's like, polar bears are the most ferocious animal.
1: <laughs> he says it's like these 50 or so animals that are the most ferocious in the animal kingdom. That but yeah, like, like, all
0: that stuff was true, but just those two things he says yeah. weren't true, which makes me question. I'm like, ah... Uh, kind of gonna lean towards kevin smith on this one just because a he's been telling the same story like he hasn't like changed it it's literally yeah. been the same story like word for word almost every time and two like if you're gonna of all the things he would like make like he it's, that's like one of those things where like he has nothing to gain mm-hmm. from that lie but if everything else he says is also true he doesn't correct about anything else he's like oh no yeah yeah that's just <laughs> it no no I, yeah nope um and it gets just fucking weirder from yeah, there. Yeah, It gets more and more insane. Um, Kevin Smith eventually ends up getting taken off. They said that the script had no direction. It wasn't funny.
1: Yeah. Um, I could see it having no direction, but not being funny. I think, uh, I don't know, according to taste, I guess. I always thought Kevin Smith, if there's one thing he was good, he's doing good comedic scripts.
0: Yes. Um, and then they- just two people talking
1: to each other, but you know.
0: They brought in a, another writer. I can't remember the name. There's a lot of people, yeah. It had, <laughs> it had
1: uh three script rewrites or something, yeah. It had three major yeah. ones,
0: like entire. Yep, getting like fucking gambit up in here. <laughs> um, so this other gentleman comes on, and and you know, Tim Burton comes in and they start going through the process, they want him to start casting, and you know, this is where suddenly they pick Nicholas Cage because he's such a good actor. Um, <laughs> because and I remember this is also from Evening with Kevin Smith. I don't think it was said in the documentary, but Kevin Smith said he is like he was like really Nicolas Cage and John Peters said, "Have you ever you know?" He's like, uh, "Or no, wait, I think originally John Peters had mentioned he made he was thinking of like Sean Penn, Sean Penn, Jesus and Christ." Kevin Smith was like, really? Spicoli? Like <laughs> And he was like, Yeah, he's like, Have you ever looked at the eyes of Sean Penn? Like he has the eyes of a fucking killer. <laughs> and he's like, It's Superman. <laughs> and that like lines up perfectly with other things he yeah. says in the documentary. Like he he John Peters says something along the lines of when they're talking about the cape, they're like, oh, I want the cape to be kind of sentient where he can like kind of whip it around and like throw it in, and it can hit you and chop people's heads off. <laughs> and it's like,
1: it's fucking Superman. Like, he de- we- yeah, he definitely didn't care much about the integrity of the uh, character, mm-hmm. the original property. I don't think anybody did. No, no one involved except for Kevin Smith. Yeah. Like, like a, a couple of people, like it, like even like, like the special effects designers and stuff like the creature creators are talking about when they were talking about Doomsday, like, concept art, like, and they're like, yeah, I tried to put in some elements uh, from the original comic book, but, yeah, they just wanted, it, like, a giant monster. <laughs> like <laughs> but when the special effects guys are the ones that are being truest to the uh, <laughs> intellectual property, then you know that something is gone astray. Right, like, you know, you almost get the
0: impression, uh, this was especially, like, in the early 90s where mid mid to late early 90s I don't know depending on you know your opinion <laughs> but uh there's almost points where like it seems like they kind of scoff at the idea of like comic book and they like Tim Burton especially tries to turn Superman into this thing that I don't think he was quite necessarily meant to be like, Oh no, he not tries at all. turning it into this very personal thing for him where it's like, Oh, you know, I always kind of felt like an alien. Yeah. And, you know, I just thought maybe if you felt that outcast and you put it in and, and Tim Burton's a fucking weird dude, yeah. big shock. I know. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not used lots to and
1: lots of hand motions.
0: I'm not used to seeing him in like this long of an interview. Yeah. He's, he's, I don't know. I think he's on the spectrum or something. Well, it's funny because, like, in the evening with Kevin Smith, when he talks about Tim Burton, he's like, You know, Kevin Smith actually does this. He's like, Oh, you know, Tim Burton. He's like, You know, like a weird art student. And he does these <laughs> <his> weird <laughs> hand motions. And I'm like, What's that all about? Is that like something about art students? I don't know. Do they do weird, like, <laughs> Timmy hand motions? Like, I don't know. <laughs> Timmy. <laughs> and uh, Timmy Burton. Then I I, when I watched this and I saw Tim Burton talking, he's just gesturing and just like God, his hands are flying
1: all over the place. He's like voguing the whole time. Yeah,
0: like it's so fucking weird. And I'm like, holy shit! Like this
1: is what (laughs) this is what they were talking about. You have to stand three feet away from him to have a conversation. You'll probably like bag you in the eye. Yeah.
0: Um. But God, and there was um, it was funny. I I only remember this guy's name because well, you'll you'll know why in a minute. There was a storyboard artist. Michael Jackson. Yes. Not that Michael Jackson.
1: No, th- this one is a different one. Who,
0: uh, apparently he was supposed to start work on the matrix. Didn't he, did he say he turned it down? Yeah. He said he they called him and he, he <laughs> turned it down because he's like, I'm going to go work on Superman.
1: That's funny. Cause like, it made me think of how Sean Connery turned down a role in the matrix to be in the league of extraordinary gentlemen movie. Um,
0: Dude, I think Will Smith might have turned it yeah, down. He turned down the role to be of in Neo. Will, uh, be in
1: Wild Wild West. Wow, oh, this is like six degrees of separation with this movie. Yeah. Man, this movie like
0: <laughs> it's, fucking it's, wrecked lives. Yeah,
1: it's, it altered the course and of then cinematic it's funny history. Is that
0: John Peters produced Wild Wild West? And there was a giant spider <laughs> in Wild Wild West.
1: <laughs> there was a giant spider, and there was the guy in the spider body. Just like they were planning with Brainiac, and oh, man, um, you could really see. Yeah, you can see some stuff that there's like.
0: Some of the other, like, uh, I learned there was other casting options that they were thinking of. Like, for Lois Lane, they were thinking, like, Courtney
1: Cox or Sandra Bullock. Mm -hmm. Um, I could see Sandra Bullock as Lois Lane. Yeah, not terrible. Not terrible. young Sandra Bullock at the time, yeah, it would have been good casting.
0: Um, Oddly enough, they wanted Kevin Spacey as Lex Luthor, which ended up happening.
1: Look how well that turned
0: out. Um, Chris Rock as Jimmy Olsen. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) Yeah. Finally. (laughs) finally um and then uh probably the coolest maybe kookiest one of them all christopher walken (laughs) as brainiac i would have loved that
1: i would have oddly (laughs) enough i would have been on board with that it could have worked really well i mean all you have to do is well what's the character well he's an alien christopher walken you think that and then you see kind of what they were going for yeah
0: which was this weird, I don't even know. It was like like a, when
1: they, they really took the term alien and like, okay, if it's an alien, it's got to be really weird. And it was like a head with like spider legs, but like a cobra he hat. A, he had like a cloak <laughs> then with a collar that
0: came over kind of like a cobra, like a cobra hood. And, and it just looked really fucking
1: weird. And yeah. like, some it just, of the, I mean, some of the, uh, like concept art looked interesting. That was the one word. Yeah, like everybody everybody that worked on it. Interesting. It would have been very interesting. (laughs) It would have been
0: super fascinating. Like
1: um, some of the stuff, like really reminded me of the Lost in Space reboot. Like even that, like Brainiac, uh, Doctor Smith was walking around with a cape, and then when he took off his cape after he had been turned into, you know, it showed he was a spider monster underneath it. And I was like, wow, that's a lot like what they did with Brainiac. I wonder if. John Peters or some of the other creative team were involved in that.
0: Yeah, it and I can't specify how much of a like if you if if all of this like isn't enough for you to be like, I wanna watch this (laughs) documentary and see like there are kind of slow parts, not gonna lie.
1: Yeah. But it's a
0: really this is way more in depth like than you talk to possibly imagine. You talk to
1: everyone from the producer to the director to the costume designer to, you know. Storyboard artists storyboard artists like people working on like the small guys in the special effects team like uh but John Peters like we keep bringing him up like <laughs> he's great this dude was <laughs> a fucking he's like
0: he's like a comic book character himself <laughs> he uh he apparently would would like walk in to where like the people were working on the monsters and like he'd bring his kids and like they <laughs> said like. From d- what I gather with them talking about, like it sounded like they genuinely just did not like this guy. Yeah. There's even was, I think there might've been a part in this. I don't know. I might've been out of the room where like somebody mentions something and it sounded like Tim Burton kind of
1: didn't really care for yeah. him too much. Everyone talked about how uh, overbearing Be- and loud he was. Yes. Yeah,
0: he was like, he definitely came off to like kind of like this macho, like, Hollywood big shot producer he'd
1: like bring women in and put men into like headlocks, jitsu moves. Yeah, he put people in the headlocks. And-
0: yeah, there's one guy telling the story like he put a guy in the headlock and he let him go. And I was like, that guy that actually hurt. <laughs> and when when they called him in to tell them that the movie was no longer being made, he threatened to throw the guy out the window. <laughs> like he's, he was like he was like I'm gonna
1: throw you. out the are he just he's like, gonna go all fucking Shug Nida. <laughs> <laughs> like this guy was a genuine fucking is a genuine
0: lunatic yeah he's
1: a crazy person he's and he started his career out as a hairdresser for
0: barbara, barbara streisand thing.
1: yep got into the business that way after having a relationship with her and gotten to eventually became a gigantic hollywood producer that produced the first batman movie well the michael keaton batman movie. yeah so i mean i don't know what his other track record is i haven't looked it up i'm assuming big budget crazy hollywood movies of the you know, early to mid nineties were his shtick.
0: Yeah. I mean, but yeah, like it's almost worth watching just to see
1: this crazy guy. Like, I know he was funny. He was (laughs) (laughs) just because he was so fucking like, like when out there, Yeah, he had like, when they talked about how he had people, he had Kevin Smith read the script to him while he held his hands out, (laughs) like a movie screen to the ceiling, laying down on the couch imagining the movie as it's be the script is being read to him I'm like, that
0: is not something a sane person no, does
1: no it's so like bizarre. it's weird because in it
0: he tries to justify why he does it he's like oh people you know they interpret things differently and i just want it. you know it's like no
1: no that's a crazy person <laughs> you just have enough money to where you can be as weird as you want it's and nobody cares yeah um, like, like putting people in headlocks and shit and like it's just bringing your kids to like
0: yeah bringing your, He see he would bring his kids in So where they were working on these monsters, and he would let the kids pretty much decide. From what I
1: gathered, let them decide what was good and what was bad. He said he was. You can become jaded as a big Hollywood executive, and like the fresh perspective. I can see his argument that like the perspective of a child could help you in the making of a movie. It's a very interesting It's not totally That's oddly enough That's like one of the more sane things Yeah It's the, one of the more Thought out ideas That he's had Even though it doesn't sound like It would work that well Because like he said Like everyone said It would bring production to a halt Whenever he came You know rampaging in, like, in with four kids Yeah And who
0: knows If these kids had friends with them yeah. And shit
1: Like Oh man Must have been great for the kids though
0: And in it He says He, he says he's been in 500 fights
1: Yeah <laughs> He said he's tasted Another man's blood <laughs> 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 he did. <laughs> I forgot. <laughs> uh, this guy's just—he's a, a piece of work. He really is. Um, he, he, <laughs> bless him. Yes. Really. God keep this man. <laughs> I need more. I need more. Like <laughs> I'm gonna like Google more yeah, interviews I with need, him. Yeah. I need. Uh, I, I wish they'd make just a documentary about his filmography and life. Um, and he started out as a hairdresser. You fail upwards in Hollywood. That's what Kevin Smith said. (laughs) That's so true.
0: (laughs) Um, Let's talk, like, uh, a lot of the art was really crazy, like, very interesting. Yes. And then we saw a lot of the costumes, the Superman costumes
1: they were doing. So many costumes. So many characters were planned in this. Yeah, like... There was going to be Brainiac, Doomsday, Deadshot, Batman. Well, uh, in Kevin Smith's script, they had Batman. yeah. Yeah. But they yeah like it was gonna have Lex Luthor, Doomsday, Brainiac. They're gonna have Brainiac and Lex Luthor combined, which ended up happening in uh, Justice League. The uh, oh, you're Justice right, League it Unlimited. did. Yeah,
0: I, I didn't even make that connection. I just thought of that now. Um, what did you think of a lot of the a lot of the costume designs? Seeing Nick Cage in them. And uh, he genuinely like, I don't like Nick Cage. Like I'm not a, I'm not a Nick Cage fan. I love Nick Cage. Um, <laughs> but he like, it was weird. I felt kind of, I mean, even I felt kind of bad for him because like he genuinely seemed like so excited. Like yeah. he was like a kid on Christmas in this suit. You could tell yeah, he I was loving he, this. I
1: don't know who was devastated. Like the most, was it a uh, John Peters? Was it Nick Cage? Like Nick Cage, they didn't get him to interview. They, he wouldn't agree to interview apparently for the documentary. Um, some of the costume designs, I mean, you'll never know how it'll look. On film? On film. I, if you hear running water, I apologize. We are actually filming in a sewer. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, the rubber suit, did not lend any favors. It was a very 90s superhero. Mm-hmm. It, was, it, lo- it basically looked like they took the
0: Batman suit and made it blue. Yeah, exactly. it It's essentially like
1: I was what very, I got. I was very much reminded of like Spawn and like... Which is probably the treatment, and if you wanted an idea of how what how this movie would have looked, you could probably look at, like, Spawn. It's mm-hmm. a superhero movie of the era, and it would have been very similar. And I enjoyed Spawn. I still do for all of its flaws and hokiness and 90s Um
0: One of the things they touch on, too, is, like, how the pictures floating around really didn't, that we're all familiar with before this came out, really didn't capture the essence
1: Yeah. Of well, what mean, they were going through, which I can understand. Just, I I can get on board with yeah. that. There are screen tests. Like, there's just literally to see what the concept looks like on a person.
0: Liter- there's literally footage of Nicolas Cage standing in the suit, and they point out how, like, oh, yep, and this is where that picture came from. Like, yeah. you see him close his eyes, you see the flash go off, and you're like, oh, wow. Like, it it, really, it wasn't like it was a photo shoot. He was literally just standing there, trying it on, getting a feel for mm-hmm. everything. Um and you see some other weird random costumes that you, you didn't see too much of. There
1: was the one with like the really big shoulders. Yeah, that was pretty. It made his neck look way too skinny. He looked like a football player. Um, there was that weird iridescent bubble beetle armor suit. That yeah. He, where after he was healing from me. With killed, the lights and shit. Like It looked really cool. Like it would have been really cool in like a different movie. <laughs> Not a Superman yeah, movie. Yeah, just none of this at all Like said Superman. I think everything would have been lost in translation and revitalizing the character. Like it should have just been an original property. Here's
0: a, here's an interesting question. If let's pretend that Batman 89 never got made. Mm -hmm. If somebody was reading a lot of those ideas to you, like the Joker was going to have these big bubbles filled with laughing gas (laughs) and, and Batman, you know, he's killing people, blowing stuff up. Like would we have had the same reaction? Is it, And they're like, you know, let's say Michael Keaton never played Batman, and they were like, oh, Michael Keaton was going to play Batman. Like, (laughs) you see, like, Mr. Nanny. You see, like, how I'm, you know, I'm not trying to defend this movie by any stretch, but you kind of have to look at it from both ends. You're like,
1: maybe it would have been good. I mean, most likely, I, what I I think it's really very entertaining. Yeah. I don't think it might have. It could have ended up like the Keaton Batman where it just turned into this bizarre monster that somehow worked really well. It's really easy to sit here and be like, Oh man, that's, that would have been a shit show. <laughs> I mean, the Batman character though works out a lot. is more akin more to a for, Tim Burton. Yes. Very much more, but I, we'll never know. Cause we don't really have an idea what the movie is going to end up looking like.
0: You know, they, they had said, you know, part of the reason, the reason they picked Nicholas Cage was the same reason pretty much that they picked Michael Keaton. Yeah. In that, you look at him, you don't assume him of being that person. Like it's just such a night and day. Like you would never, but the thing I I could never wrap my, I would never be able to wrap my head around with this is Nick cage has a very distinct look. Yes. You know, people always bring up, you know, how does they not realize Clark Kent when he takes the glasses off? He's not, you know, Uh and they actually show a screen test of, of what they would, you know, dub his like
1: Clark Kent, Look, he was wearing a Mickey Mouse t shirt. He was wearing a Mickey Mouse t shirt with like a with like a, a yeah, sports jacket, with a sports
0: jacket and like a different color pair of dress pants. Like yeah. Tim Burton was like, "Oh, he looks like he'd be at one of these science fiction conventions." I was like, "You fuck!" <laughs> he really
1: did though. You think you're so much better? <laughs> he did totally look like a person who would be at a sci fi con in the like 1990s. especially because he had that long hair. And it's yeah, like, yeah, he looked he looked like Marilyn Manson with long hair because <laughs> he had like kind of the weak chin, right? And, uh, yeah, it was just very strange. Um, of course, this was at a time when Superman comics, like, around the time of the death of Superman, they were... He had long hair. He had long hair, and they were experimenting with so many different outfits for him. Mm-hmm. Like, around this time, this is when we had Eradicator... One of the suits
0: kind of look like the
1: Eradicator yeah, suit a little did. bit, actually, now that I think about it. I mean, this is when they had Superman red and blue. They were, like... Around the 90s in comics, they're really throwing everything at the wall. So it's not as if this is just a foreign concept that you wouldn't have seen in comics that they were doing something, you know, reinventing the wheel in the movie. They were literally doing the exact same thing in comics, like making him look different, making him a different person, making him four different people, saying if one's more popular than the others. Right. Everyone was just desperate to revitalize Superman's character because his comics weren't selling. Mm-hmm. And then they decided to make a gigantic multimillion dollar movie out of him. Yeah. They, uh, before the project
0: got shut down. They what they said they invested upwards from anywhere from ten to twelve million yeah. dollars in it, and that they said they weren't sure if that included what Nicolas Cage got paid, what Tim Burton got paid, versus for the time working on it. Mm-hmm. And they said that was it twenty or thirty million. They said the movie I was going to cost, or
1: er, how much was it going to cost? Yeah, they said upwards of three hundred million. Oh, you're right, three hundred million. Yeah, sorry, that would have been like one of the most expensive movies. Never made at the time. That's a like even by today's standards. Yeah, I feel like that would have been. I think that's more than a BVS cost to make. Because they said it would have been like I think they said it would have been like two
0: hundred million, and then like another hundred million for like probably production or like yeah, uh, production, promotion and stuff yeah. like that. Like this movie just would have been like uh, um, insane. Yeah, it would like have been and a that's what, and they it was weird because they all went into it with that mindset <laughs> of like they were just gonna throw all this money, so they just kind of like. They just, like, fucking
1: went loose. Yeah, that was, I think one of the big problems was that uh, the script wasn't designed with a feasible budget. And they, that one of the things that
0: killed it, they looked at it, and especially because, as I said, this was a time when Warner Brothers was just having a string of shit.
1: Yeah, they showed. How many, and not too long. I didn't long. even recognize, like, yeah. five of the movies they showed.
0: There was a movie with, I think, like, John Travolta and Richard Gere I saw. Yeah. Um, but they kind of looked at it, and they are like, they got cold feet, especially because they had been burnt. And I don't know if it was after or if,
1: if Batman and Robin was the nail in the coffin. Yeah. Well, um, Tim Burton said he blamed Joel Schumacher for... Was it Tim Burton who said it? Someone said uh, Tim Burton blamed Joel Schumacher for ruining...
0: I think it was the second screenwriter. Yeah, he said that, <laughs> said that he he blamed uh, that Tim Burton was really pissed because Tim Burton, you know... Tim Burton didn't give up the Batman franchise willingly. No. No. He was pretty much forced to.
1: I can only imagine how insane he would have made that franchise by the time um, he was done. <laughs> it would have, like the last one would have been just like a bizarre claymation movie or something. Yeah, but With like Helena he, Bonham Carter as Batman, but he, Johnny Depp, <laughs> both of them. Uh, but he was pissed off because Joel
0: Schumacher took his franchise and ran that shit into the fucking ground, <laughs> and because he ran that shit into the ground, it fucked over his Superman <laughs> movies too.
1: What?
0: Like it was just like a like a domino effect.
1: Man, I, let's, it's just so bizarre. Like, what would have happened if this movie got made? Would it have worked? Would it have made its money back? Would it have done well?
0: I think... I think
1: curiosity... I mean, of course we're sitting here now. Like, I, I almost want to see it. Yeah, like, what would have happened? Like... If it had happened and it had bombed, would the comic book boom would have would that have never happened? Would have like,
0: knocked it like he knocked it
1: out for even longer than yeah. it was with Batman? Would and have, Robin exactly like this? If it had bombed, it would have been there. Had been even more of a stigma around comic book movies, especially if they did it for that three hundred. Yeah, and it just two hundred plus yeah, million just didn't draw a fly. That would um, have, that probably would have. Yeah, we probably would never have seen a, a serious comic book boom like we have now.
0: Now, not for I think it would. I I don't know if it would have killed it completely, but I think it definitely would have... Knocked it out for at least 10 years. Knocked it out for a much longer period of time, especially for
1: Warner Brothers. Yeah. You know... Warner Brothers is still fucking making the same mistakes, too. It is. It's weird. The exact same mistakes. Like, too many fingers in the pot, uh, having too many people arguing, the production staff arguing with the director, the director arguing with the screenwriter, scriptwriter, getting rewritten multiple times... The You know, like it being put through production hell and then a Franken movie coming out that is either interesting or just total shit and, Mm -hmm. you know, just hoping that it makes money. They're just lucky they're in a more positive environment to make a movie like that because otherwise it wouldn't have made shit. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you have a I can't argue those points. I don't know. Like, yeah, it's just they're just happen to be in a better place to make these movies, in my opinion, because they're just doing the exact like. Look at Suicide Squad; it's the exact same thing that's happening. Like BVS was the exact same thing. It was just they were smart enough to not put as much money into it, so they're able to make a lot of money. But mm-hmm. I don't know.
0: That's a interesting can of worms there. <laughs> um, I, I I think I could definitely say that I I don't think anybody like directly working on this movie, nobody definitely was half... I don't think anybody was half-assing it. No, I mean,
1: it was weird. All these people were really passionate about it from, like, the bottom up. Like, even John Peters was super... Like, he was... You could tell he was actually really adamant about the movie and he was really emotionally, like, devastated when it didn't end up... He threatened to murder (laughs) a (laughs) person. You can't take this from me. (laughs) It was just... uh, I'm surprised he didn't become a supervillain after that. (laughs) Um,
0: you made the comment and I hadn't even thought about it. It would be fantastic if someone took this. They f- they got the script, maybe took some of the storyboard art and made it into a comic.
1: Yeah, or
0: made it into like an animated film. That would be like vision, man.
1: Ah, oh, that'd be so. Is, cool. I think
0: even like even a comic would be probably the safest bet. Yeah, just because you're not investing as much. Like just so people could be like, I want to see what this would have been like. Uh huh. Like
1: I wish I could just get all the uh, storyboards, like the completed storyboards, and like just flip through them. Oh, that'd be so cool.
0: Do you think anybody's ever approached Water Brothers about doing that, like, <laughs> <laughs> or not Water Brothers, but DC, yeah. like, but like, hey, listen. But I guess you get into another area here where you, then you have to have everybody kind of sign off on it. You have mm-hmm. to have you'd have to have Tim Burton, Nick Cage, with for his likeness. Like,
1: yeah, I bet Nick Cage would be up for it. Finally, getting to be Superman. One way, yeah, fa- you know, fa- I you know.
0: I would pick it up. I would. Oh, hell yeah, man. I would pick it up in a heartbeat. That'd be such. Oh, I'd love that. Like just just to get that visual representation, just like that kind of more overall feel. Because I don't think there's Mm -hmm. any any one movie. To generate as much interest and intrigue that never got made as this one.
1: I agree. I think, I mean, we should start like a change dot org petition or something. You're right, make this like a, happen. Like, somebody do it. Like, I want to <laughs> see this. Um, I'd say go fund me, but then you know, I wouldn't have the legal rights to make it whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> it was weird too. Like,
0: what? Like, when I started watching it, I'm like, okay, at first, you're like, wow, this is just seems like the worst fucking idea, <laughs> and then by the end of it, you're like, I. For some reason I kind of want to yeah. see it.
1: Like when you hear people explain what the reasoning behind all the insanity that happened, you're just, you know, whether it works right. whether it works yeah. or not like I'm I'm game. I want to <laughs> see it, please. I know. I really I wish it had been made. I really, I can honestly say that. Not just because it was maybe it is just because just it was just like they said it was just so interesting <laughs> that that word just kept coming up interesting like they would have been interesting like an interesting film. <laughs>
0: you definitely if if you haven't been inclined to check out
1: this documentary, you should, probably should do it. Like any comic book fan or just a fan of a uh, film. Co- yeah, film, Hollyweird. It's definitely a tale of Hollyweird. Yeah.
0: Like I was kind of under the impression like when this first was coming out I was like I, I, feel, I was like, I feel like I kinda got a grasp on what happened with this movie. <laughs> we like I had
1: no idea. <laughs> it's so multi-layered and intricate. It is. It's like a it's like a seven-layer bean dip. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a fifteen layer plastic molded Superman suit. And uh bonus, uh, you actually get
0: a a glimpse in the outside of inside of Tim Burton's house. And it
1: looks exactly like <laughs> you would think it would look. Yeah, there's gargoyles. It's really dark. There's skeletons. <laughs> like, and I'm not even joking. Like, yeah, it looks exactly like it looks
0: like fucking a like Tim Burton. Like, it's just the house from Beetlejuice. <laughs> it pretty much is.
1: Like, I don't know who's weirder, like John Peters or Tim Burton. Oh, can you, I can't imagine those two working together to make them.
0: They seem like such polar opposites. I
1: know, like, as like John Peters is so bombastic and obnoxious and insane. Yeah. And, Tim Burton's so he's quiet and mincing like, and like insane. Like, <laughs> Look at like Robert Smith from the cure. Like you <laughs> know, just like, Ooh. He, he, he looks unwell, but I guess he's always looked like that. Yeah. He,
0: uh, it's kind of, you know, at the end of it, he kind of mentions how, like how depressing it was for him to talk about this movie. Yeah. <laughs> everybody,
1: like everybody actually gets like upset when they talk about the making, like everyone wanted it to happen. Even though so, so many of them hated working on it, I yeah, like was uh, really upset when it didn't end up getting made.
0: The one costume designer they were talking to, she mentions how like that suit is still the one suit she wishes she could have made.
1: I I want to see it really bad too because like you don't really you can't picture in their head in your head what they're trying to describe, and like that's just so bizarre. I want to see it because you never know because when you see like set pictures, even for like modern movies like the Avengers and stuff. The suits, they look very different. Mm-hmm. Not not just like Iron Man or anything, but like actual like Captain America, you know, like Black you Panther.
0: Gotta, it's always like, okay, wait and see yeah. sort of deal, you know.
1: We never got to see.
0: Um, Tim Burton mentions, you know, he's like, you can come talk to me when I'm 90 and I'll still be sitting here saying, I'm going to make it. <laughs> it's going to... Uh, maybe. could be delusional, but... <laughs>
1: One sweet day, it could still happen.
0: They freeze Nicolas Cage's head, <laughs> put it on
1: a spider body,
0: <laughs> and and Christopher Walken too. Yes, I think that's the true travesty
1: in all this. I know it. It actually had a stellar cast, from what uh, well, an interesting cast.
0: It was a very nineties
1: cast. Yes, it was. It was the cream of the high paid nineties. You know, Chris much. Rock,
0: uh, Sandra Bullock. Yes, or Courtney Cage. Cox. Yeah, you know, it was. Yeah, it was. It was a straight up nineties Superman.
1: Chris Rock is Jimmy
0: Olsen. <laughs> it's gonna, yeah. And what's funny is this movie just seemed to fucking follow Kevin Smith around. Yeah. Like he <laughs> mentions when he was making Dogma, like Chris Rock came in and he was like, guess who's playing Jimmy Olsen? And, <laughs> and then, you know, they went to go use a building for Dogma and they told him, like, you can't use it. And they're like, why not? They're like, oh, well, you know, Water Brothers is using it for another movie. It's like, what movie? They're like Superman. <laughs>
1: <laughs> how like they even had buildings like rented out for filming and it, it was literally just about to start. That's crazy how close it came to. And then there's no, nope, no, nope, no. Nope. Yeah. Like just, just, you know, keep in mind when you're reading those
0: headlines, like, you know, Gambit movies set to start filming in two weeks. Like anything could happen. Yeah. Like, I don't know how often that happens. I don't, I, th- I do think this movie, especially, is a very rare
1: case mm-hmm. of it getting that close, and but, them just like and it having a ton of press too. Like, uh, it's weird because you don't really remember it because the you know the internet wasn't was in a was I remember in its
0: I remember my brother coming home. My brother used to when he would go to work, he'd listen to Howard Stern, and I remember coming home and telling me he was listening to Howard Stern and said that they were talking about it and they said they mentioned that Nicolas Cage was going to be playing Superman. <laughs> and even then, like I d- hadn't even developed uh, a, a idea of Nicolas Cage. Like I didn't have an opinion. But even then, I was like him. Really? <laughs> I actually, that's yeah. fucking weird.
1: <laughs> Face um, off. <laughs> Oscar winning Academy <laughs> Academy
0: Award winning
1: Nicolas Cage. Nicolas Cage.
0: A, B, C, D. <laughs> when you and John wrap up the Jean-Paul Van Damme cast, you should maybe think about Nick, Nick Cage Nick cast. Cage cast. I would love
1: that. I've seen many of his films, but not nearly enough. It sucks, though, for him because a lot of it in movies these days, he'll just be in a movie for like 20 minutes and then have to go pay off his payment on the island that he bought. Now he's bankrupt, so he has to keep making movies. <laughs>
0: put little effort in oh sorry dropped a nut <laughs> <laughs> not that not that um you know what else what else to say about this
1: oh man what could have been it could have I know, just it's just everyone just wants to see it just to see how it would have turned out is the big thing and i can't disagree i wish. morbid
0: curiosity yeah i think is the is the perfect like, definition everyone just
1: looking at like wow this almost happened. (laughs) Like, what even then the more you get into it, the more interesting it is. Yeah. The more like, you're just like, wow, so many conflicting forces that you wouldn't think would be able to work together. Almost made this Frankenstein's monster of a superhero film. (sighs) Memories. Yes. I think that'll do it
0: for this discussion of the death of (laughs) Superman. If we haven't made this, Sound exciting and intriguing to you? I don't know what else we can yeah. do. I might as well
1: <laughs> <Didn't>, yeah, quit. <laughs> A highly, highly recommended documentary.
0: Yes. Um, with that being said, don't forget to oh, I shook the mic. Don't forget <laughs> to uh, check us out every week on the Pod Bros Podcasting Network. You can also find us on iTunes and Google Play. Please head over and leave star reviews. Um, they help us pop up on people's suggested list. Thus
1: expanding our reach around the globe. Even if you don't like us, you can still give us a five-star review. Yeah. No one will know. No. Just you and God. (laughs) That's
0: it. Um, We also have a Facebook, Kapowcast 2015. You can also follow us on Twitter at Kapowcast and Instagram, which is Kapowcast. We'll see you the next time on Kapowcast.